Hi, I'm Michael G. Williams, and welcome to Social Distancing Radio. I'm a novelist, and a reader and friend asked if I would read from my work as something they might find comforting and familiar amidst the uncertainty and anxiety we're experiencing from multiple sources in 2020. As of this opening, I've read Perishables, the first book of my five-book vampire and urban fantasy series, The Withrow Chronicles, published by Falstaff Books, aka falstaffbooks.com. If you'd like to pick up a copy for yourself, head over to bit.ly, that's bit.ly, slash perishables link. Now I'm reading from my short stories and other works, and occasionally I'll invite on a writer friend for special episodes called Public Domain Radio. Thanks for listening. Alrighty, let's get back to regular old social distancing radio. Mm. Like I said to Gail, if I'm reading, then I need a sip of wine at the beginning, but probably more like two or three sips of wine, which just seems like a good survival strategy at the moment. I really enjoyed getting to talk with Gail. Gail is one of my favorite writer people from the convention circuit. She's like super smart, very successful really like forged her own path at a time when nobody else had done it the way that she's done it. She's a really incredible role model and so eager to share her wisdom and expertise with other writers, which is such a blessing. So for this, let's go back to stories. I tell to girls, the third in the, series of uh, the little trilogy of short stories that I had published in anthologies from Sekhmet Press. And I'm going to actually start a few paragraphs back in the story just so that that you had that little bit of setup. Oh, but I do need another sip. The boy, Lorraine couldn't help but think of him as that, with his taut skin and bright eyes and features forever frozen only most of the way to manhood, took a couple of steps toward Auntie Anne before smoothly dropping to one knee, his eyes downcast. I need your help. He paused. Please, Annie. Lorraine noted with genuine surprise that the monster's voice was shaking. Auntie Anne did not address the visitor when she spoke. Her eyes stayed on him, but her voice was pitched at Maria. Percy killed my father, she said. You wanted to know about my past? There it is. The thinnest knife's edge of bitterness crept into Auntie Anne's voice, a scalpel in an old wound. This creature is why I'm here. She paused and seemed to address him now. You're why I became a witch. To Maria again. See, my daddy used to drink too much. Percy saved me from him, but that salvation came with a price joining Percy for all time. When I refused, Percy broke half the bones in Daddy's body, then turned him so he'd be trapped that way forever. Her voice stumbled for just a moment. Daddy ended it the next sunrise. I had no family left, just me and my books and a world to understand. She finally met Maria's wide eyes. And here I am. I meant to save you, Percival said, 
His voice threatened to crack. I was young. I thought... You thought. Auntie Anne's voice was sharp like an arrowhead stabbing deep. Don't lie to me, Percy. She made a noise a little like a laugh. Don't lie to your betters. I was a girl when you met me, but I've gotten old. So have you. This, Warren finally spoke from the corner. This is some seriously weird reverse Bella shit. Tell me what it is you want. Auntie Anne's voice was hard and cold and sharp, but also low. She never yelled. She was still the crone, and her voice strained under the weight of all this speaking. Percy remained quiet, his eyes low. He opened his mouth, drew part of a breath, held it, and considered what to say. I'm on a quest, he said. He addressed it to Auntie Anne's black and gray comfort slip-ons, the ones Lorraine always thought of as being old woman's shoes. He looked up. I want to die with a clean conscience. Auntie Anne raised one eyebrow just the tiniest bit. Do tell. Lorraine wondered if Percy saw Auntie Anne as she was or as she had been the last time he had seen her. A lot of years had passed, and Lorraine knew Percy had, in his own way, loved the maiden who was now the crone. Percy spoke again. Used to be. I could just wander all up and down the mountains on my lonesome until I found some company for a while. Now things are different. There are cameras everywhere, cars everywhere, people everywhere. There are houses and highways and lights on all night. He looked away from Auntie Anne as he trailed off, his eyes focusing on some middle distance where he could watch remembrances of times gone by. So now it's difficult, you're going to give up. Auntie Anne was unimpressed. She'd crossed her arms over her chest and gazed down at the boy. People are so afraid now, Annie. When he said her name like that, Lorraine's heart nearly broke, despite knowing better than to trust or to believe. That was precisely what Auntie Anne had said. If you meet a vampire, never trust and never believe. They will show you how much monster they are. You remember the way we walked through those woods when it was dark and you were scared? You were scared of one man, one set of fists. People these days, the whole world. They're scared like that all the time. Scared of what they see on the news, what they hear from their kids. He trailed off for a moment. I went out in the world to find someone who could be brave. Someone who could love. I don't know if that exists anymore. Warren scribbled furiously in his grimoire. Maria stood in silence. Auntie Anne's features did not soften. If you just want to die, that's easy, Auntie Anne said. Death's never further than a sunrise away. My father knew that. He didn't need a quest to do it either. I know. Percy lowered his eyes again. But there's an old story. A legend. Some say there's a way for me to go to heaven and I'll be damned if I'm not going to try. First I need to ask the forgiveness of someone I've wronged. So you're here to ask me to forgive you? No. The room fell silent. The rumor is you know someone who can make a ghost appear if I have something precious to them. Is that true? Auntie Anne looked away from Percy at last to shift her gaze first to Maria and then to Lorraine. I think we've found the one who needs us this night. Do we agree? Lorraine nodded. We do. Maria's voice was practically a squeak. We do. Auntie Anne looked to Warren, waiting while he wrote. He finally looked up. Uh, he said, we do. 
Antian nodded. We'll help you, Percy. But you will owe us a great debt. Do you accept? Percy did not hesitate. I do. I think it's only fair to warn you, Lorraine said to Percy as they stood outside the Henson Memorial Library. <clears throat> this witch is not on friendly terms with us. He may drive a hard bargain. He may refuse altogether. And we will not force him to act on your behalf. Auntie Anne's voice was quiet but serious. This was the unwritten law between covens and between one witch and another. No one is in charge. No one wanted a repeat of the wars. You don't have to, Percy said. If I'm to prove myself worthy, I must act alone. Semi-alone, Maria said. The vampire showed a moment of surprise tinged with insult, and Maria blanched. I mean, you had to come to us to find the guy, right? Lorraine knocked three times, a trio of firm raps with a heartbeat of silence between each. It was a witch's knock. In the South, people still say the devil knocks three times when he calls. There was a long wait. The library was a squat, dilapidated structure of old concrete set back from the road. It had seen better decades. The door swung inward a couple of inches, as though the building itself didn't want whatever they were selling and was tired of telling them no. Eyes gleamed in the shadows beyond. Hello, Harold, Lorraine said. Her tone was not unkind, nor was it kind. Merry meet. Go to hell, the old man said. Not just yet, Lorraine said with a very small smile. Percy stepped forward, green eyes blazing. I need to speak with the dead, sir, he said very softly. I'm told you can help with that. I'm not in that practice any more. Harold growled in reply. He glared at Lorraine. They won't let me. Looking directly at Lorraine while he spoke, he said, They took all my tools, all the precious things I used to call the dead. We told you not to abuse the dead. Auntie Anne's voice crackled and spat, but it also commanded attention. We said nothing about stopping communication altogether. Harold looked back and forth between Lorraine and Auntie Anne and then at Percival. No, you can't make me. He chuckled. Witches don't hurt one another. They may have taken my tools, but they didn't hurt me. He smirked now, brimming with tiny triumph. His tone curdled as his wrinkled face bunched up. They left a ghost here to watch over me. Harold laughed with a strangled chortle. Can't touch me. Can't so much as lift a paperclip. But it tattles. He grimaced. So no, I won't help you. Percival stepped closer, skin glowing in the moonlight, and whispered as he spoke. Witches may not hurt one another, he said. A ghost may not be able to harm you either. He smiled. But I am something altogether different. His fangs slid into view. They've already told me they won't intervene on my behalf. I wonder, does that go both ways? That seems like a good place to stop for this episode of Social Distancing Radio. So, uh, thanks for listening, and... There will probably be a second episode later this week because I'm probably just about to record it. Talk to you then. Bye. Thanks for listening. This podcast is released under Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives License.
The theme music is Bucked Contemporary Boom by Kara Square, available under a Creative Commons attribution license at ccmixter.org. Thank you. 